our prayers, presence, gifts, and service. These are the commitments we make to our church. In the New Testament, James says that faith without works is dead. I think service is the works part of that scripture. To me, acts of service are my gifts that won't fit in the offering plate. Many years ago, Pastor Dave asked a number of people, me included, to talk about the biblical character with which we most closely identified. It didn't take me long to choose Martha, the one who complained to Jesus that her sister Mary wasn't helping her prepare dinner, but was just sitting there listening to him talk. I have a confession. I am a frenetic doer, and so not good at sitting still, meditating, and listening to God. I smiled when Mike Enos talked to us about prayer a couple weeks ago and reminded us that being still and listening to God is an important part of our faith life. Yes, I know that, but for me it is a challenge. If I had been at the home of Lazarus that day, I probably would have been saying, walk and talk, Jesus, walk and talk. Service is what I like to do. I enjoy creating Christmas programs, working with our young singers, proofing the bulletins, slicing tomatoes, cleaning the choir room on all church cleanup day, teaching our junior high Sunday school, and so on and so forth. Service makes me feel more like a part of this church family and helps me to know my church family better. Interesting conversations take place, slicing and cleaning. The choir is a special way to serve our church. If you love music, come join us next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Even if you can only commit to doing that for a month or two or for the Christmas season, whatever time you have, we would love to have you. Maybe for you, service is as big a challenge as being still is for me. But I believe we are all called to prayer and service. Years ago, I worked for a company that gave each employee a mirror etched with the words, If it's to be, it's up to me. I am very much aware that God is in charge, but I also know that it is up to you and me to get the work done that lies before this church. Countless important tasks. I know that our church has many who serve quietly. You may not see them or know what they do, But we have a small army of workers who prepare the communion elements, change the banners in the sanctuary, tidy up the pews before and after our worship service, cook, repair, teach, act as liturgists, serve on committees, and on and on. Thank you. Whatever your skills, talents, or physical abilities, there is a job for you here, an opportunity for service, once a week, once a month, or when called and asked. Take a look at the sign-up sheets on the clipboards just outside the sanctuary. There is service work available here for you that reflects your love of God and your neighbor, whether you are baking a cake for the fall harvest dinner, teaching or assisting with Sunday school, calling our homebound members so they know someone remembers them, bringing cookies for fellowship time, or helping serve the meal at the We Care Shelter or countless other small and large tasks. 
even in this time of sadness and uncertainty. If we all think of it as though the future of this church rests on our personal willingness to pray for this church and whoever stands behind the pulpit to share what God has laid on their heart, to be physically present in church each Sunday, to give our financial support, and to serve by taking on some of the tasks vital to this church's ministry, we will surely grow and, in so doing, serve God and our neighbor.
Would you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's reading is from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Good morning. morning. I'm Jim Healy, and I'm grateful to be here with you on this Sunday. And as we sang that hymn, and every time I sing that hymn in our church, I see that image of the palms of the hands together, like this. And I feel that experience in my mind of being held. So I'd like to have us just take a moment to do that. If you would, close your eyes and put your hands together with your palms up. And just be here for a moment, imagining that we are in the palm of God's hand. The pain the sorrow, the things that we worry about, all of that we can rest in as we rest in the palm of God. Feel that support. Feel those things being lifted from us as we go through this difficult time of grieving knowing that God is with us and for us. Amen. A friend and a member of our congregation in Fresno gave us a call one day not too long ago and asked if she might be able to have lunch with my wife and myself because her husband had just been placed in Uh, care and she was facing the potential of her husband's death. As we sat and we talked we had that sense of how wise and yet also painful moments as she raised questions about life and death and the end of life. After that lunch, I went home feeling 
uplifted by her faith, but also feeling in myself so many of the questions that she struggles with in her life are questions that I struggle with as I get older. And I'm sure many suffer and think through as they get older as well. It brought me to a book by Parker Palmer called On the Brink of Everything, Grace, Gravity, and Getting Old. And that book was a source of grace to me. I couldn't have gone looking for a better resource to inspire my thinking and my faith. Theologian Frederick Buechner defines grace as something you never can get, but you can only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it. A good night's sleep is grace. Most tears are grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Being in love with someone is grace. The grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might not have ever been, but you are. And because the party wouldn't be the same without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you. It is for you. That I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift. The gift of grace can be yours only. When you reach out and take it. And make it your own. Pastor Charles' life was a gift, a grace to us. It was a grace because Pastor Charles offered his life to us. And he did it in many ways, in his stories and sermons, in his humor, in his love for his people, for his time to be with you in weddings, funerals, memorial services, baptisms, or just coming to visit or you visiting him. His messages were full of stories, poetry, humor, and life-affirming godly messages. His life was just a grace. And what Pastor Charles' death reminds us is that all of life is a gift. But there are no guarantees, no promises of riches or fame 
or even long life. Only the promise of beautiful and terrible things will happen and that nothing will separate us from the love of God. In the last chapter of the, On the Brink of Everything, Parker Palmer tells about going to Boundary Waters Canoe Area. We'll shorten it, BWCA, in northern Minnesota, a protected wilderness area along the Canadian border. He visited it often, but in 1999, a fierce, fast-moving storm, windstorm, moved through BWCA, creating conditions that fires to ravage the forest for many years. And when Parker returned to BWCA about a month after the storm, he wrote of the massive blowdown it broke into his heart and wondered if he would ever return. But he did. And because he returned, he saw, witnessed resurrection. The void created by death was being filled with new life. Raspberries, blueberries, lupin and purple asters springing up and abundant aspens growing from seedlings. That is grace. We would not ask for a storm to destroy the beauty of a beautiful place, nor would we ask a loved one to leave us. But the storm, can came, as it came through, brought new life and resurrection. From death comes the certainty of life. I love how Park, Parker puts it. For I know for sure is this. We come from mystery and we return to mystery. That the reality of death awakens us to the wonder of the many gifts of life. We can all say that our lives would not have been the same without the gift of Pastor Charles Smith. The party would not have been the same without him. As the mystic Julian of Norwich reminds us, all shall be well. All shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. In our scripture and in another book written by Parker Palmer, Let Your Life Speak, there is this theme of seasons and the turning of seasons, both literally and metaphorically. This past week on September 23rd, we experienced the September equinox, the equaling of day and night in length. And we acknowledge this as the transition from summer to fall. Seasons, as a metaphor, suggest life is infinitely richer, more promising, and more real. The notion of seasons does not deny the struggle or the joy, the loss or the gain. 
the darkness or the light, but encourages us to embrace it all and to find in it all the opportunities for growth. Seasons are an important part of the agrarian culture, like that of the Jewish people at the time that Ecclesiastes was written. And they spoke of those amazing and very important transitions, not only of seasons, but of the seasons of our own personal lives. The planting and the harvesting were marked often with celebrations. Here in the valley, we have a real sense of those seasons and the celebration thereof. But many people have moved to the city and away from the farm. People have become less aware of the importance of seasons. The scripture today speaks of the notion that there are more than equinox or solstice of seasons. We have heard the scripture countless times, but have we really heard it? The scripture uses the metaphor of seasons to explore life in relationship to God, others, and ourselves. Metaphors are more than literary devices, of course. Most of us use metaphors, albeit unconsciously, to speak of our own experience of life. Parker Palmer writes, But those seasonal metaphors and their transition or turning of seasons reminds us of the journey never ends and gives our inquiry to life a new scope. It takes us into our own quest for selfhood, vocation beyond the origins, and into the depth of our own inner life. Out beyond the human community and its call to leadership into the world of nature. The picture you see up there is a picture of a maple tree in Yosemite Valley, and it's just opposite um, the chapel in Yosemite Valley. I was with a group of photographers when I took this picture. And what you don't see is all the photographers that were around the tree trying to find the right spot to shoot. And I just happened to get lucky. And what I was lovely, luckily done was I just saw these leaves reaching out for the sun because it was just as the sun was setting down. And the leaves were reaching out to life. I am torn between the prospects of death and being lifted up by hope and the new sight of spring. This paradox of life and death can leave us fixed on the surface of appearances of decay and death at work or the possibility of something deeper in the myriad of possibilities being planted to bear witness to the fruit in some season yet to come. The hopeful notion that living is hidden within dying is surely enhanced by the visual cues of autumn. How should we understand autumn's testimony that death and elegance go hand in hand? The word of the Catholic monk Thomas Merton may be of some help. There is in all visible things a hidden wholeness. 
The paradox that there is darkness and light, death and life, but they are not opposites. They are held together in this hidden wholeness. Our bodies breathe in and breathe out. Without both, we do not live. It takes both to make life possible. Our culture tends to require an either-or situation. But we cannot have light without darkness. The glories of spring and summer cannot happen without the demands of autumn and winter. Even joy cannot live without grief. The truth is, we need both. When I or we give ourselves over to the endless interplay of darkness and light, falling and rising, the life we are given is so colorful, fruitful, and whole, as this is graced and a graceful world with its seasons and cycles that make it so. Though I still grieve, and you as well, As beauty of the leaves fall to the ground, autumn reminds us to celebrate the primal power that forever making all things in us and all of the natural world anew. We live in the mystery of God's grace. And when we're willing to surrender to God's love and grace, we can be grateful and give that gift of grace to others. Thank God for the turning of seasons in nature and in life. And thank God for the life and ministry of Pastor Charles Smith, his wife and family. Thank God for this church and all of its seasons. Amen. Dear friends, as we have been nourished by word and song and fellowship this day, go now in peace. Be kind to yourself and one another. Bear witness to God's love in this world so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. And may that very love of God nourish you body and soul and mind. May the grace of God keep you. May the fellowship and the guidance of the Holy Spirit be your gift this day and all days. Amen. listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. 
For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock.org or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.